0: Welcome to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. Now here's our mama. Hey y'all, welcome back to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. You guys know that I'm a dating coach and a sleep coach. To have another coach on this podcast is so special to me. I love being able to connect with other coaches and... This is not just any coach. He is America's life coach, Stephen Lovegrove, and we connected on Clubhouse through batch chats and all the uh, all the craziness that that ensues there. If you guys aren't on there, you are absolutely missing out. But he is here with me today virtually and I cannot wait to get to know him better. I want to know how everything kind of got started with his life coach business and how he got kind of into the batch nation world. So, please welcome Stephen Lovegrove to the show. Hi, Stephen
1: hi so glad to be here uh, especially with a fellow coach um i you know i believe in the power of good coaching i am a product of it yes. and i believe that it changes people's lives and and changes the world so thank you for doing what you do and thank you for having me
0: of course and thank you for doing what you do and we cannot wait to hear more about that uh, before we get into the coaching though i want to know Stefan, and also by the way you're in california like me right
1: Yes, I actually just moved to downtown L.A. after quite a number of years in West Hollywood. So I'm coming to you from DTLA today uh, in beautiful Southern California.
0: I love it. And I'm just north of you and kind of near San Francisco, I would say, in the valley about an hour We are actually recording on the Clubhouse app that we're both obsessed with. It is the most fun and it's just easy peasy for podcasters Mm -hmm. to just connect on. And I've been recording probably for the past three or four episodes on Clubhouse and I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. So thank you for joining me on Clubhouse to do this. It's going to be so much fun. So Stefan, who were you before you were America's life coach? Where did you grow up? What were you into when you were younger?
1: That's a good question. It's interesting because I I feel like I can't talk about my story without it being a little bit heavy, and I'm just okay with that, I have to be okay with that, um, but my parents are actually part of a fundamentalist Christian cult uh, in the Southeastern United States, um, and they still are, and that is the world that I grew up in, and I always describe it to people. Um, a little bit like if you think about the town of Beaumont in Footloose, where like there were all these rules and curfews and no dancing allowed and all of those things. Yes. It, it's the, that meets like some of the scary like mind control and shaming people for leaving kind of stuff that we think about with cults on documentaries and things. And so oh, wow. it was honestly, when, when I think about who I was... I was always me somewhere under there. Like I was, you know, I think about the, the me that was having a blast in San Diego. And I think about the joy and the, the fully just being myself. And like, sometimes it's ridiculous and over the top, but I, I love to smile and laugh and I have a big heart. And, and that me, I feel like was always there, but it was there as a kid in the middle of a very, very scary world that did not have a place for me. And so, you know, my first 18 years of life was, I feel shame about who I am, it's Mm -hmm. not safe to be me, I can never tell anyone that I'm gay, even if they suspect we can't talk about it, and maybe God's mad at me. And so, like I said, I know a little bit heavy right off the top, but, but that really, that really was where my story began. And part of the reason I'm so passionate about the work that I do is, it was not an easy childhood. It was, it was very traumatic. It was not an easy place for my story to begin. But the joyful, beautiful life that people see now is very real. And so I know what can be created, even from a wonky starting point. So long answer to say, I grew up in a cult. I left it. I restarted, you know, a decade later
0: wow that's incredible thank you for sharing that and being so open and honest honestly that's what getting cozy is all about you know I want you to feel like this is a safe place a a safe space for you to share whatever's on your heart we just want to get to know you so that really um, tells us a lot about the person that you are and kudos to you for you know getting out of that situation and making such a beautiful life for yourself
1: thank you I you know I am in a hopefully humble way.
0: <laughs> I am proud of the person that I am today.
1: And I am proud of how far I feel like we've come. And, you know, it, it took a lot of work. There was a lot of fear that I had to work through and get out of my system. There was a lot of trauma that I had to heal from. And so again, this, this is why I'm passionate about personal development is, I deserves happiness. And I believe that everybody is worthy of a great life. And I also understand that sometimes we have stuff going on inside of us that gets in our way as we try to create what we want. And, you know, it, it takes work, but it's work worth doing for sure.
0: Oh, definitely. And I can identify with that. I was raised by a very, um, well, a textbook narcissistic mother. And I felt like that held me back a lot, you know, so I can definitely relate. I think that anything that you go through in your childhood just makes you a stronger adult. I've always, always felt that. So, and, um, you know, it's, you are someone that I admire and respect a lot. Again, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm so curious what was the first thing you did when you left that cult or that, you know, that environment? so college was the big transition for me okay um i got kicked out of the house around
1: 18 and it was right before my freshman year of college and so college was kind of the the restart moment and i i laugh looking back on my college experience now because on one hand, I do feel like I had a very normal, healthy, like, enjoyable college experience, right? I was an RA, most of, you know, the three years I was in school, uh, three out of the four years because you can't, you know, be an RA immediately. But right. I was an RA. I did student government. I played in a band at one point, like all these random things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had overall a pretty good college experience. But also, I was in this weird space where, leaving that world behind, I'm having to ask these really big questions that a lot of times people don't have to face until they're 40, 50, 60 years old. And I'm having to figure out at 18, who am I? what is true for me? what do i believe? what am i here for? what is my purpose? like these these big heavy things. and so i'm at the frat party, i'm at the club, but i'm also trying to figure out what is even true for me anymore. and so yeah, so that that was really my transition world is those 4 years of college and and trying to figure it all out while still having a good time.
0: wow. yeah, that's a lot. that's that's really heavy for, you know, a teenager even in their late teens. You mentioned offline that you majored in religion. Is that because of what you went through that first 18 years of your life?
1: Yes and no. So originally, um, I knew that I wanted to do something to help people, right? And I didn't know what that could look like. And within what I had seen in my childhood, there were only two paths that I was aware of. And that was, you can either do something in like a church, be in the clergy, be in ministry, as they would call it, Or you could do the nonprofit world. You could work at or start a charity. And those were really the only two paths I knew about. So originally, I started in college as a religion major because I was trying to figure out, you know, again, where did I want to go from here? Yeah. Um, But I wanted to do something to help people. And then, along the way my own path kind of evolved i got introduced to the world of coaching halfway through oh. that was a big turning point for me and so by the time i was finishing college i kind of just used the religion classes philosophy humanities all of those classes i kind of just used them to you know be my own personal projects and explore the topics that i was interested in and And make sure that I was learning and growing all along the way, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. What was your, or what or who introduced you to coaching?
1: Very good question. So I was in the middle of four years of therapy. I did therapy every single year of college. And it was definitely a gift. And I, you know, I recommend it. Just the other day, a friend was asking me, hey, I've been thinking about maybe going to therapy. What do you think? And if you're listening today and that is on your mind, I always, always, always say you're probably having that thought for a reason and a good reason. So yeah. definitely talk to someone, definitely make an appointment, definitely take a step in that direction. Um, but I was halfway through therapy and I got introduced to this life coach in New York. His name was Jordan Bach. And it was the first life coach that I was ever introduced to or familiar with. Didn't even know what coaching as a whole was at that time. Um, but Jordan was all about the spirituality and he had this spirituality that was inclusive and open and not about us versus them. We're, you know, all the the triggering cult stuff, right? We have the truth. Everybody else is going to hell. It wasn't any of that. And he really believed in love and grace and you know whatever it is that we call god being on our side and, and so it was deeply healing for me to be in his energy at that time and one day he said to me you know if this was something you ever wanted to do as a path i feel like you could really excel at this and you should think about it and so he planted the seed of the idea in my head And then I fully decided to go for it. This is so ultra dramatic, but I was at an Oprah live event that someone had given me a press pass for in D.C. And so I took a bus from college to D.C. And while I was standing there at the Oprah event and she's reading this Derek Walcott poem, Love After Love, that was really the weekend that I was like, "Okay, I'm going for it. I'm going to show up in the world as a coach. So. I don't even know if I've ever shared that exact specific moment on a podcast before.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. When you have those like come to Jesus moments or those, you know, those life changing moments. It's so nice to to recount that and to like almost relive it right by retelling that story. So what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that wow, that's, that's quite a journey. (laughs) Stefan, that's pretty awesome. Um, Okay, so you graduate college. And was there anything significant that happened in college? Like, you know, how most of us have like some significant event that happened? Was there was there? I mean, besides what you just told us, obviously, but, you know, did you meet someone that was significant to your life in college? Or um, besides the coach, any friend that kind of gave you guidance?
1: Interesting question. Because I feel like there's A, there's so many significant moments, and B, isn't the the tricky thing about life that when they're happening, you don't always know which ones are the significant ones, and then you look back with a, a different perspective. I will say there were two things that were really pivotal for me. One is I remember there was a teacher, and long story less long, I started at a religious college. Halfway through, I transitioned to a state college, and that was really because I came out of the closet publicly at the end of my sophomore year oh, wow. um, and the religious college wasn't happy about it. And they took away my financial aid. Oh my thing.
0: God. Was, yeah.
1: Well, and that's interesting. Like actually I'll, okay. I wasn't going to talk about this, but now we'll throw this into the list. <laughs> so um, what's interesting about that is that was my first time really being, and, and to a minuscule degree, but that was my first time being in the public eye in any way, because all of these news stories came out. And I remember now this is, this was a shining moment, but I remember it hit MTV and I was on the homepage of MTV.com via weekend right next to Beyonce. And I was thrilled. What? But anyway, that was my first time with any kind of public eye moment. And there was intensity that came along with that. And I remember all during that time there were people speculating about me online and I felt very misunderstood. Like there were people who said, why would he go to a religious college if he was going to come out like this? And I felt very misunderstood and I had, you know, there was a stalker for a hot minute there that made me feel very unsafe on campus right before I left and I would get death threats and it was a wild time for me in college. So, you know, I I have been through a lot, which is why I think the the space and the presence and the non-judgment that I hold for people now is like, listen, you're not going to phase me. I promise. <laughs> We're going to be OK. You're not going to phase me. So that it all happened. And I, I transferred to the new college. And I remember the first day that I was in this class called the human experience,
0: very liberal arts college class, right? The human experience. Who am yeah. I? And my teacher pulls me aside,
1: and I still, to this day, cannot believe he did this, because this is a very bold thing for a new teacher to do to a new student, day one of class. He pulls me over after class, and he said, hey, I know who you are, I know the story, et cetera, I know how you ended up here, and I just want to say, I don't know why you have had to go through everything that you've went through in your life, I don't know. But, he said, I believe that before we enter this lifetime, we get to look down on it, you know, however he worded this, something to the effect of, our soul looks down on this lifetime and we see it almost like we're flying in a helicopter over a corn maze. And we get to look down on it and see everything that the journey will entail and everything we're going to go through and everything we're going to become. And we choose it. And even though there's some difficult stuff in it, we choose it and, and it is worth it. And he said to me, I don't know why you had to go through certain things and I don't know where your story is going, but I promise you, you chose this journey and it's all going to be worth it. And it's, and this is literally day one of this class. Wow. And so that, that was a big moment for me. And again, I was still figuring out my belief systems at this time. So I didn't know if I really like intellectually even agreed with what he was saying, but I, it, it felt important to hear it at that moment. And so I, I will always remember that. And then the other thing from college is, um, my last full year of college, uh, there was a guy who was the first person I had had ever come out to as a teenager, literally had told no one, not even told my parents. And this was the first person I'd ever come out to. And we had kept in touch just as very, very good friends. And I ended up falling for him. And Mm -hmm. I told him that I loved him when we were, he was visiting me for the summer, uh, I think summer before my senior year would have been. And I told him I loved him and he didn't at the time say it back. And I was devastated. And I I felt this was an uh, appropriate story to share for a podcast that delves into dating. But that was my first really like heartbreak moment. And so there were a lot of tears there. A lot of Taylor Swift and Coldplay's Ghost (laughs) Stories album had just come out. So there was a lot of music. But I remember at that time coming to a really clear conclusion. And I kept watching. There was a Chris Martin was going through his separation. The the infamous L.A. conscious uncoupling trend was beginning. And so Chris Martin does this interview with Zane Lowe. And he's talking about writing the song Magic, being in that place, And how even if something doesn't work out, that doesn't mean we have to pretend that it wasn't magic when it happened. And that doesn't mean we should stop opening our heart to life.
0: And that
1: was like a turning, not just about dating, but about life. That was a turning point moment for me of my heart feels shattered right now, but I'm going to choose in this moment to open and not close. And I think that, that put me on the trajectory that I've tried to stay on ever since which is listen I get it we go through stuff life can be intense people some there are people listening to this who have gone through way more than I have and yet I still think all of us have this choice of in this moment do we open or do we close to <laughs> life do we open or close our hearts to life so those were you know those were a couple of big ones and I've done my best to to trust and to keep the heart open ever since
0: yeah and it's not always easy i mean i think we all have had heartache and heartbreak and it's it's a you know it takes a toll for sure i think uh, i don't know anybody who hasn't gone through that so um that's very relatable okay so you're out of college what is your first job what is your first you know what what is it that you want to do with your degree
1: so when i was leaving college i had had the oprah moment and i knew that i was committing to be a coach so i had officially like started the business technically at the end of 2014 i had started doing my practice coaching sessions i had a white binder where i had everything written out that i was learning and planning and whatever for the business and so for my technical last semester of college january 2015 I fly from the East Coast to the West Coast, hashtag West Coast, best coast. (laughs) I was very excited. And I did Disney College program in uh, Orange County for the last semester of college. So technically, while it was college, that ended up becoming my first post-college technical job. Uh, While I had the whole coaching thing just beginning to, to sprout on the side. So I worked at Disney. One fun thing I will say, and I'll say it in the Disney way, um, but at one point there, I worked within entertainment in the characters department. And so there's a very lovable dog named Pluto that I, uh, you know, was very
0: involved with for a
1: time and <laughs> gave a lot of hugs on behalf of at that time. Um, and so so that was it. And then my final, final, final job before I just went full time in the business I left Disney because of a leg injury. And I, by the way, I think it's so interesting how many people have an injury that changes the trajectory of their life. And oh, like, yes. I am the least athletic person. So I didn't have that experience <laughs> as an athlete, but how many people have an injury that that redirects them? And so the injury forced me out of the Disney job. And then I was at Soul Cycle for a hot minute. And then I went full time early uh, 2016. Oh my gosh. And it was your own practice. Yes. So I committed from the beginning. I was like, I am going to learn how to be a great coach and we're going to make this work. And truthfully, it took me a long time to accept that if I was going to build a coaching practice from scratch, I was going to have to learn sales and marketing. And I was very resistant to that and just not wanting to learn sales and marketing for the longest time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I eventually accepted that I had to, and I think a lot of those early days, it was a lot of showing up and continuing to show up, even though it doesn't look like it's working. And I remember that the Periscope app was huge at that time. So, you know, we're coming out of the clubhouse craze at the time of this recording, but Periscope was huge. And I would sit on Periscope and just show up as a coach again and again and again. And in 2016 in particular, which is the year that things really started to take off for me in 2016, I made a promise to myself that I would show up three times a day online as a coach and I would show up and I would deliver a message that I thought was inspiring and empowering. And I would do that three times no matter what, because, and this is pretty simple math, But if you add up three or you multiply 365 times three, I knew that if I did that, I would have shown up online a thousand times as a coach. And I just believed that that really had the power to take me somewhere. And so I did that all through 2016. I feel like it was very much an intuitive, like led idea for me. And everything started getting traction that year. I did my first event. I sold out, like, all my client spots for the first time. I doubled my price, life-changing time, which obviously brought up some triggers. But, yeah, 20, 2016 was the, the game-changing year for me.
0: Wow. That commi- that level of commitment is just very inspiring. Did you see kind of steadily more people tuning in also? And did that help motivate you?
1: Yes. And I, I also think – so I did a lot of soul cycle in that year. And – I really should not. I mean, my mother was very terrified that this was not going to work out at the time. <laughs> and even though there, you know, family has been a, a at times difficult thing to navigate, but my mother and I have always at least kept in touch from afar somewhat. And so my mom was pretty scared at the time and was like, maybe you should just consider getting a good job and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and And here's the thing. There were plenty of days where I felt like I could show up. <laughs> And deliver the best message and the best sales pitch, and nobody's gonna buy. What right. is happening? And like there were definitely plenty of frustrating moments. But here's the thing that, that Soul Cycle really taught me. And shout out Angela Davis. She now has her own fitness company, Army A-A-R-M-Y. I love them. Anybody can do their classes from anywhere in the world now virtually, and I'm not sponsored. I just love them. But Angela, I ask all the time. And again, I really should not have been paying the $30 a class at this time, but uh, well I felt like I needed it. So I did it. And Angela really helped me understand the value of process because it got me out of my head about, does it look like it's working right now? And like, how, how does it look? And why am I not there yet? Why am I not moving faster? Where am I in comparison to the next person? And Angela really helped me lock in. You're going to get there. Just show up. Keep moving forward. Put in the work. It's all working together. It's all going to pay off. And so it, it kept me going. And I think that there were definitely moments of encouragement. You know, when I did a live event and meet up and people showed up for it in 2016, that really did motivate me. And when I raised my prices a lot and people still paid them, that really encouraged me that like people saw the value in what I was doing. So there were definitely, it was a mix, right? There were moments of encouragement all along the way and there were moments of frustration all along the way. And you know, kept showing up in all
0: of them. (laughs) I am loving this story so much, Stefan. It's just, it's, like I said, it's just so inspiring. It's really motivating. I love motivating other people. So I love hearing this. This just makes me so happy to hear that. And I love that you had people in your life who were motivating you and pushing you and, you know, getting you to those, to meet those goals that you had and, and everything. So one of the questions that came in from my followers, your followers was how did you get connected with Bachelor Nation? Like when was the first, maybe who was the first person? When did that door open for you?
1: So, okay, so let me preface by saying this. One of the things that has always been true for me, and I I really suggest these as kind of beliefs and affirmations for everybody out there who is a leader, a brand, a public figure. I mean, I, I kind of eye roll as I say these terms, but for, <laughs> what, for lack of better terms, you know what we're talking about here. One of the things that I believe is that when you show up in the world as your authentic self and you really let yourself be seen, not a version of you that you think is what people want, but you really let your authentic self be seen, Mm -hmm. um, the right people will be magnetized to you. And that has always been true for me. I remember in those Periscope days, so my first five clients were an actress, a TV host, a healthcare executive, Mm -hmm. a lawyer, and a megachurch pastor all over the board. Now, I was learning as I went along and I very quickly learned, I don't really do well coaching people in corporate America, nothing against corporate America, go make the money, go do the corner office thing. But corporate America was not who I had the most fun with. Mm -hmm. I loved my entertainers. I loved my entrepreneurs. That's really the direction my work took very quickly. But my point is all five of those people who are my first clients randomly got to me through the magic of Periscope at that time, and me being willing to show up as me, and that that, that is kind of how things have unfolded over the years in in crazy ways. You know, I, I've coached a CEO who runs a company that, like every single person listening, probably has a product in their kitchen somewhere, or you've eaten a product at some point right. from this company. Um, I've coached billboard number one artists that every single person here would know and has listened to may have on your playlist right now. So, so crazy people have got to me over the years and I don't think, you know, I, I've always been a fan of the bachelor as a viewer. I don't think bachelor nation is like the, the craziest thing that has ever (laughs) happened to me. Um, but essentially, I guess I would say this, there have been. So there have been a couple of random people that I have met at some point or connected with at some point privately over the last few years. Um, And and by the way, I mean, I always joke about this on Clubhouse. We love to, to an extent, spill the tea and have the vibe of we're spilling the tea. But people need to remember, I've worked with NDAs in my business for, you know, now going on seven years. I very much understand when there has to be discretion and confidentiality and whatever. So... There's people I've connected with privately for a couple of years that I don't even think people necessarily know about, or maybe they've seen them and followers and don't really know why. And that's fine. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then I think really the, the public thing that people have kind of seen is that the intersection of me showing up on Clubhouse and then I, I honestly think that, and I
0: have to shout out Garen, you know, Garen Flowers. Of course. Of course. But I, I have to shout
1: out Garen because what really happened on Clubhouse was so very, very, very early on in the platform. I mean, Aaron, I remember there was a week I got on in December and I remember there was a week where I was saying to a friend, God, how I wish we could do something related to The Bachelor on this app. Because it's such a fun thing to have community around. Right. Um, And there was, and I literally, I will never forget one Tuesday night, I started a room and nobody came in except one girl who had never seen the show. Now, granted, this was a different (laughs) time in Clubhouse, right? But... But I remember thinking, you know, this could be a fun platform for this community. But nobody was on. Contestants weren't on. Fans weren't on. It wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. So then one Friday night, I got pulled into a Bachelor parody game show room where I ended up co-hosting. And for weeks and weeks of deep pandemic Clubhouse, I was co-hosting the Bachelor on Clubhouse competitions. And and again, these were like, the world was shut down. LA was the global epicenter of COVID. I was staying in my house doing nothing. And I was like, I need something to take my mind off of how dark and heavy the world feels right now. Right. Let's t- mostly jokingly help some people find love on Clubhouse. <laughs> so I did these rooms. So through these rooms, I got connected with Garen. Okay. And then Finally, 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 Bachelor Nation people start trickling onto the app. And so Garen said, well, I know you've been doing in these rooms. I've been in them many, many, many times. And so I think, I'm trying to remember who, like, because I knew Garen was on. And I don't know if Garen ever was actually given a welcome room or did he just do them for everybody else? I don't actually know. But I remember Garen was doing a welcome room and it was one of the earliest people Um, and that, that kind of started a whole train of momentum. Now, the funny thing is there were a couple of odds and ends people who I didn't like. Yosef, Yosef was randomly in my rooms, not related to the bachelor. And I kept looking at the thing and I was like, is that the Yosef I think it is? (laughs) (laughs) And it was. So I don't remember who was the very first on Clubhouse other than Garen, because I know there were some random people trickling in. Yeah. Um, But yeah, everything kind of merged. And what I envisioned that Clubhouse could have a fun moment with Bachelor Nation really did end up happening. And honestly, here's what I tell everybody about Clubhouse. And this is such a long answer. I apologize, but i have tried to give context here of the, the full story. <laughs>
0: it's fine. Um, the, th-
1: the thing about Clubhouse and any other online platform, you meet people online and you hit it off. But really, for long term friends, you need to move offline and see who you really hit it off with. Right. Um, and so fortunately, as the world has reopened, that's something that I've been able to do. And, you know, I don't hit it off with every single person exactly the same, but there are a lot of people in the franchise that I'm now friends with that I love. Um, And I think I'll just throw in one more thought here. I think the big thing is because I am a coach, lots of people show up in my life needing something from me. Right. And to an extent that's appropriate. My, my clients are paying me to have the support there. I have no judgment on that. Like, They're supposed to message me. They're supposed to, you know, want and, and use the support. But I think because of the role that I play in that sense, lots of people show up needing me and I know the pressure that that feels sometimes. And so one of the things I'm just very committed to for anyone who is in my life, many of whom people will never know about and never see. And I'm happy with that, um, is to not need something from people right? If I'm friends with you, if I like you, if we've met somewhere online or offline and we've hit it off, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be friends with you if I genuinely like you, but I don't need anything from you. And I think that that allows a wide array of friends to be there and to not feel like there's any kind of agenda going on or that there's, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, completely. Yes. Yeah, I and, definitely agree. Wait,
1: I think that's my, long, that's my long-winded <laughs> answer, too. Uh, through the the magic of the internet and coaching over the years and being in L.A. and music festivals and Clubhouse and all of these things, I've met a lot of people that I really love uh, from the franchise, and I, I'm thankful for them.
0: Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I, I miss the in-person events that, um you know, I started meeting people in Batch Nation like two years ago basically from like live podcasts and things like that. And just meet and greet, you know, and just so much fun. And they've always just been incredible people. So we got to talk about your weekend in San Diego. The pictures were just, they brought me so much joy. I mean, these men from Clarentatious season have just blown me away. They're all so kind, so genuine. As you say, you know, so authentically them. And I've had a lot of them on my show and I've gotten to know them. And I I really care about them. So please tell us about your weekend in San Diego with all of them. It looked so much fun.
1: Yeah. Well, let me just join the chorus here and amen. I (laughs) love the cast of season 16. You know, what's interesting. I, I think that the pandemic reshuffled a lot of our lives and people ended up in a position where they never thought they would be. You know what I mean? and i think what's interesting about season 16 is how many of these men had not watched the show before never planned on going on it whatever and and for several of them at least it feels like the pandemic was this reset strange time that they ended up somewhere they hadn't planned on being even more so than than usual for the show but it is an incredible incredible group of guys Honestly, the, so Chris Conran and I are good friends and love Chris and he is in Salt Lake City. So I, you know, sometimes he'll call me and I'm like drunk on a Saturday night and <laughs> he's drunk on a Saturday night. And at one point he was like, I'm coming to San Diego this weekend, XYZ, you need to come. And so Chris put the bug in my ear that he was going to be in town. And I thought, well, you know, I, I mean, I'm open to going to Salt Lake as well. But I was like, that would be a fun person to see that I haven't gotten to hang out with yet. Yeah. Um, and then it was also very recently Spencer's birthday, actually quite a few people's birthdays in San Diego, but it was just Spencer's birthday. So this whole thing happened kind of around people coming in and, and largely Spencer's birthday weekend. And it just became a, a fun trip. <laughs> and we were so I went with Katie Morgan. We were supposed to leave Sunday. I was never thinking and believing I was gonna wake up for the eight a.m. train. So let me just throw that out there. I actually always believed the eleven a.m. train was questionable. But no, we we were just having such a good time, and then there was a baseball game and a rooftop to go to Sunday, and we thought, you know what? Let's let's live a little. We're feeling good. We'll stick around and do, you know, make some more memories. Um, and, and it really was fantastic. And I think. You know, I got a lot of messages about just how happy I looked and the joy of the weekend. And I was so glad that that came across because I was like, truly, I was feeling so happy this whole weekend. It was just good people, good vibes. Ed is everything. I mean, I always appreciated him on TV. I thought the whole going to the wrong place (laughs) was hysterical, Um, but I love Ed so much in person. And I, I just think, like, by and large, and I've said this on Clubhouse, by and large, the season 16 guys, for the most part, are who I felt like they were seeing them on TV. And so, like, oh Ivan is incredible. And people love Ivan on TV, but he's so solid and in, in person. And... I, I, I hate naming names because I'm like, I'm going to not name someone by name. No, I mistake. understand. And there's just too many.
0: Yeah, but yeah. They,
1: they really were all fantastic and it was such a good weekend.
0: Oh my gosh. I was just living vicariously through you for sure. I adore Katie. I met Katie in person, I want to say like a couple of years ago. She's such a doll. I really wanted her to become a lead. I think she would be a phenomenal lead. She's so off the chart gorgeous. Her eyes are on like another level, um, but she's such a sweetheart. So down to earth and kind, uh, and just you know so genuine. I just I adore her. I think she's wonderful. Um, but I know she's separated herself from the franchise, which I completely understand. But at the time, I was thinking, man, you'd be a killer lead, you know.
1: And I also like uh, you know I will never speak for anybody or whatever because everyone has the right to say their own opinions and things, but. I will say, I do feel like the lines are a little bit blurrier now with you can separate yourself from the franchise in the sense that you feel complete, you're not interested in going on it anymore. And still be connected to the community of people that is linked to it from whatever place, whatever time. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I will just say, I think everybody loves Katie. I know that she is complete with the franchise, but Katie is so loved and um, and she is stunning and kind, and such a badass in everything that she does. Um, Actually, we had this whole argument this weekend. Can we cuss on your podcast?
0: Oh, my God, absolutely. Yes, please.
1: I I figured so, but sometimes I go into this TV mode where I just don't. But anyway, (laughs) we have this whole argument around, is badass bitch a compliment, or do you not want to be called a badass bitch? And then there was a discussion about boss bitch. All I want to say is whatever terms you use, uh, Katie Morton is phenomenal, and
0: I love. Her. <laughs> I love being called that. I think that it's definitely a compliment. As is Smoke Show. To uh, throw out a Chasen saying, I-, I think Smoke Show is also a really great compliment too. While we're Listen, at it,
1: <laughs> I always took the position, Erin. That if a man wants to call me Smoke Show, I would not be mad about it. That was always my position.
0: Right. I feel exactly the same. I feel exactly the same. Um, Well, yeah, shout out to all the Batch guys that we love. And uh, I cannot wait to meet them in person. I'm going to hug the shit out of each and every one of them. Trust me on that.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I'm just ready for stagecoach.
0: Oh, Um, my God.
1: I know they were originally in 2020 when people wanted to believe, this is so sad to think about, that the pandemic was going to be a two-month little thing. Um, I remember they were trying to do it in October. But no, now I think the plan is they want to pull off Coachella both weekends and Stagecoach in 2022. Nothing is obviously confirmed, but that's what I hear is the goal.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I'm definitely in. I've never been, and I've heard that it is – Um, It is an experience unlike any other, and uh, that sounds really fun to me. So, Okay, we have talked about you being a coach, but we have not talked about you being a TV host or an author. So let's definitely talk about that. If you want to touch on that, like how you got into TV, and then also you're an author as well?
1: Yeah, well, basically, here's, I think, the easiest way to explain it. I still feel the same way as that college kid that we were talking about did, (laughs) um, that I want to put things out into the world that help people. And obviously there is a limit to how many people I can do that with on a one-on-one basis, on a one-on-one level. And so one of the things that's developed over the years for me is doing some TV. And so... Um, I'm very sad because I loved going on Hallmark Channel to do Home and Family, uh, and their show is coming to an end. That has been a very sad change in the pandemic. I saw that. Yeah, it's very sad. So my last uh, appearance on Home and Family will have aired most likely by the time this is live, but it will be up on my Instagram. I try to post everything on IGTV. So if you don't watch it live, no worries. It will be there. Um, but yeah, so that's coming to an end, but I kind of let that evolve over the years. And I, you know, I, I hate to give the, the annoying LA answer of, I can't talk about it. So excited, <laughs> can't talk about it, but I have been cast for a project that I have my own exclusivity deal with, ironically, as we were talking about that earlier offline and what that means. But I, so I have been cast for something that is very private and in the works and under NDA that I'm very excited about in terms of TV. And honestly, fully, I don't know where everything's gonna go. Um, I, I don't know, I did write a book. Uh, years ago that's still out there don't know if I'm going to write another book and honestly I, I don't know all the iterations of TV that I'm going to do but uh, I definitely plan to continue showing up there and to hopefully continue to put content out into the world that that helps people and makes them feel good so
0: oh, congratulations on the new project Stefan that's amazing and um I'm so curious can you share the title of your book
1: Yes, that, that is not under <laughs> Um, The book is called How to Find Yourself, Love Yourself, and Be Yourself. Um, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, wherever books are sold. The thing about it, and I'll, I'll say this for any coaches because I know you wanted to hit on that and we can, win, you know, however long you want to talk about it. But one thing I will say is when you're starting out, particularly as a coach, it's very important that you really own what you can genuinely and authentically bring to the marketplace. Right? right. And when I started, I didn't sell people on here's how you get on TV or here's how you build an empire or here's how you, because none of those things did I have. And I was just a beginning uh, business owner, but I knew I had learned how to be a good coach. I knew that I was good at what I did from the first session that I ever did. The girl had a massive breakthrough and tears and it was a whole thing. And I was like, wait a minute, I really can do this. And I had put in the work and I had put in the, the training and the study and the hours and the whatever to be good at what I did. And so I put myself out there originally with the message of, I know how difficult it can be to find yourself and love yourself and be yourself in a world that sometimes wants you to do the exact opposite. And now there's a lot more that I've done and a lot more that I talk about. But I really recommend if you're starting out, put out something that is a genuine, authentic reflection of you at the time, because that is what people are going to feel and respond to.
0: I love that so much. It's so true. I mean, as a sleep coach, you know, when I first started coaching my first family, I didn't know if I was going to help them or not, right? You don't know. You hope that you do. You hope that you're confident enough in in what you know. But yeah, that feedback is just priceless. And then it just motivates you to continue doing you know, what you're doing. But yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Okay, so as we wrap up here, and I have so enjoyed this conversation with you, Stefan, what are a few tips that you give your clients if they are feeling lost or overwhelmed? I feel like The majority of the world is still kind of, you know, coming out of this pandemic kind of lost and just not really sure, you know, which direction to go or how to kind of pick up on everything, uh, pick up from where they left off, if you will, um, before all this happened. What are kind of just a few tips that you can give to kind of get people back on track or just to find their North Star again?
1: Yeah. Okay. so there's three things that I'll leave with people Um, and all of these are like as big or as little as you want to make them so you can reflect on these and you know you could have a whole breakthrough journaling through some of these or you can just think to yourself that's interesting and move on and that's cool too but (laughs) three kind of places that I would point people to look where you might have an opportunity to really shift and transform in a in an incredible way Number one, look at your (laughs) sense of self. So often the way that we see ourselves doesn't match up with what we want or where we're trying to go. And so one thing I really challenge people to look at is what are your self beliefs? What does your self talk sound like? What's your self image? And some people are uncomfortable even hearing that because they're like, well, that all sounds very selfish. I don't want to think about myself, but here's the bottom line. We all do have beliefs that we formed about who we are, what we deserve, what we're capable of. And if those beliefs are not giving you a good story, they're going to hold you back around every turn. So I think one place that everybody can definitely look is look at your sense of self. Second of all, look at your priorities. So one of the things I think is really important in any season of transition, and this certainly is one, is to say, what is most important to me right now? And am I actually reflecting by my life and my my daily life and my actions that that is the thing that matters most to me? And so when I wanted to do more TV, Aaron, I made it number one. Not that I stopped other things or didn't show up for my clients, but I said, this is the thing that I really want to move this year, to shift this year. So I got to go for it. And it has to stay the number one focus until we bring it to life. And so number two is look at your priorities. Um, And then number three, look at your habits. There's a book that I love called Atomic Habits. And anyone who's interested in really practical personal growth, I highly recommend. But so often our... lives are are created by what we do every day Mm -hmm. and so I think a place for all of us to look is you know what are the things you do on a daily basis that either feed you is a weird phrase I don't like that metaphor but what are the things that benefit where you're going what are the things that take care of you what are the things that support you and what are the things you're doing on a daily basis that detract that waste time, that suck your energy, that don't make you feel good. And anyway, those are my three places to look. You can, like I said, you can reflect on them as much or as little as you want, but there's a lot of insights often waiting for us there.
0: Definitely so incredibly helpful. Really, really great information. Thank you so much, Stefan. Please take that to heart listeners and really try to you know, see how that can help you in your life because I, I just have people... Every day, just telling me, you know, I just feel so lost. I mean, this pandemic has just thrown me into a tailspin. All of us, all of us feel the same way, you know, definitely. How could you not? I mean, our lives were just completely turned upside down. So I get it, you know, uh, but this is just so, so helpful. Stefan, it has been an absolute pleasure. I have loved chatting with you, getting cozy with you, getting to know you better. I've always just loved hearing you on Clubhouse and just having this one on one time has been just absolutely priceless. I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. And I would love, love, love to have you back. uh, Maybe to talk about dating. We didn't really get into that. So we can talk more um, about dating if you're open to that. I know uh, a lot of my listeners, you know, love to hear about dating and relationships. So if you're down, we can we can schedule that, you know, uh, later on. But I would love to have you back.
1: Definitely down. And I'll just say as a, a possible teaser for that. Um, one of the things that I've always found so interesting about The Bachelor is even though we're watching this honestly weird thing that's not a normal human or dating experience, we're also watching something so universal and relatable. Yeah. And I always think about the moment where someone's been broken up with and they get in the suburban and there's blinding <laughs> lights on their face and and in that moment, all the stories that somebody has about themselves and their dating life all come up, all come to the surface. Yep. And it, there, there's just something really universal and relatable about dating and this journey that we all go on. So that sounds like an incredibly interesting conversation to have.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Well, I look forward to that. Uh, please tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram, um, your website.
1: Well, there's two places that I like to send people. Instagram is obviously a fun one Uh, Dr. Lovegrove, D R L O V E, G R O V E. Um, The other thing that I send people to is I do a lot with my community number. And I love engaging with people there. I typically reply to almost everything, unless you send me something crazy, then there are no guarantees. But <laughs> uh, I love engaging with people there and, and I send encouraging and, and motivational texts. So uh, if you want to text me, my number is three one zero five six four seven two seven one. 7271 You can also get that on my Instagram, of course, but... Would love to say hi. And Erin, thank you so much for having me. I feel all the coziness being here with you.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. Well, that is my goal. So I appreciate that. Mission accomplished. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, reach out to him if you need coaching. And definitely just, you know, keep him in mind um, whenever whenever you need someone in your life to, uh, to help guide you. Uh, but you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe and always stay cozy. Till next time. Bye.